some may say it's playing with your food. Phoenix Suns up by 13 in this game. Slowly but surely allow the San Antonio Spurs to do the one thing you don't want a young team to do. That's feel confident. The Spurs, led by Keldon Johnson and some guy with Dennis Rodman-like hair, slowly make a comeback, start hitting some shots, start gaining some confidence, and tie the game at 110. Game goes to overtime after three misses by the Spurs to force that overtime. But Matthew, ultimately the Phoenix Suns outscore the San Antonio Mm -hmm. Spurs by 10 in overtime. Win the game 128 to 118. Crisis averted, correct? Correct. And we did get to see the Rodman hair. I love it. Just don't wear a wedding dress or anything like that. That's his <laughs> thing. But I do like the hair. You know, if we're going to play the Spurs, at least these guys look kind of cool now because they always used to be kind of hideous in a way, right? Just so they kind of redesigned the Ugly team. franchise. Now some like good looking cats out there with some cool looking hair. Like I can, yeah, it's good. You know what I mean? Before it was like, Dude, where do these guys crawl out of? <laughs> you know what I mean? Popovich's so, ass. Yeah, so now uh better looking team. So, but a tough game tonight. But they pull it out. Who cares? <laughs> Just, well, thankfully, I care. I care. I care too. I'm not I'm a, once they force it to overtime, I'm like, oh great, dude. I thought it was over. Angry John, here we come again. I was laughing. I was <laughs> laughing about after every three, the one that rolled in. Yeah, it's <laughs> so like, like Bounce off the back. I'm like, all right. I just started laughing so hard, man. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm like, please, sons, please pull this one out. The poor jamsters had to deal with angry John last time. Did I say some things I shouldn't have? No. Exactly. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, thank you. No, I just said what I said, and I, I stand by it, and I think I echo a lot of the franchise's angst. And that's the advantage or disadvantage of doing the Suns Jam Session podcast live after every Phoenix Suns game is sometimes we carry the emotion of the game and our thoughts and our feelings right into the podcast. And it's interesting because I actually went back and I watched the pod and I watched the live chat because the live chat was popping after the last pod. So thank you, Jamsters, those of you who join us live after every game and you log on to YouTube or Facebook or Twitter and you're watching the podcast and you're simply interacting with your fellow jamsters in the chat, going back and forth, debating the same topics that Matthew and I are debating. And there's people who are pro what I'm saying and there's people who are anti what I'm saying and what you're saying as well. And it's actually it was actually a really good go back and watch the chat and just see how they were interacting because they were literally interacting like all of us were. And that's just what happens with this franchise. That's what happens at the the just past the halfway point of the season prior to the all-star break, prior to the trade deadline, there's so many different factors and variables at play, and there's so many different reasons to be happy and so many different reasons to be frustrated. Tonight, the Phoenix Suns, in true fashion, gave us both sides of that. They gave us reasons to be happy, and they gave us some reasons to be frustrated. So those are the things, once again, we're going to discuss on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So if you happen to be watching along live again, thank you for firing up the chat and, and getting those conversations going uh Landon Alverson in the chat says angry Voida scares me I'm I'm sorry uh Nikki Tan says don't hold back John you represent our yeah voices. I love I love that one it's so true um if we were to come out here and just you know hold things back we want to be ourselves you know and no one cares just really that. quick the worst thing I hate is the worst thing I hate is when people do speak their mind whether it is hate on um a player or not and like everyone just is upset because they don't agree with it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, let everyone talk, let everyone have their thing. And if it's a little bit negative, who cares if it's negative, it's fine. It's just a reaction to the game and we can have our own opinion, man. It, whether or not you're going after other people, who cares? Like, it's just, it, that's, that's the part of sports. That is sports right that there. Is sports. Don't tell, don't tell people how to argue this game of sports. Cause none of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. So let us do what we want to do. Let John, be who he wants to be you know what i mean he's all grown As, up now i am grown up now and i'll say what i want to say and i'll feel how i want to feel gosh <laughs> darn it and i'll drink what i want to drink and tonight i'm drinking a blue moon moon haze hazy juicy indie pale ale after my Good. little nap so let, let, let's talk about this game against the san antonio spurs again if you're listening to the podcast head to apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review tell me what you really think about 
my reactions and Matthew's reactions to this team. But wherever you are, pop them if you got them on this beautiful Saturday night. Yeah. Let's talk about a win for the Phoenix Suns, who are once again over 500, 26 and 25. Suns win this game in overtime, 128 to 118 against the San Antonio Spurs. Second time that we've played them this season. The first time we absolutely pasted them. But it brings me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, did we learn anything in this game? Yeah, I think we still did. I think we did. I think going into this game, I was actually watching to see how the chemistry was and if they were playing together well. Um, last game was just very, very weird all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we just learned more about Aiden tonight. We learned about this offense and crunch, clutch situations uh, without Booker. Who can step up? Who can be the number two? I think we found out who that guy is because he's been way consistent. That's Mikael Bridges. And uh, we found out that Chris Paul's back. We found out that there's a lot of work to do with Aiden on this team playing with this team in late moments of the game. And throughout the game, we just we know how much more work there is to do with this guy. And I just like how you think a Spurs game is kind of boring, but no, you still learn a lot about this team. I mean, they did almost lose a game, but I I saw a lot of positives on some sides. So let's start. You you covered a lot there. Wow, you, we've learned a ton. Yeah, that, that's it. That's the whole plot. <laughs> that's the whole plot. <laughs> well, whole thank thing, you, Matthew. Man. You just wrapped up everything. Uh, make go sure you guys go back. <laughs> everyone go back to your nap on the Saturday night. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I want to start with the number two. The number two on this team. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit in the past. It is up for debate. And I'll ask you this question. Who is the number two? We know, we know Devin Booker is the number one. Offensive threat. Like he he is the alpha on this team. Who is the number two? Um, I'm gonna go Mikhail right now. Okay. Um, I remember back in the day, maybe a month ago, when we didn't know who it was, whether it was Aiden or Bridges, who would step up to be the number two. Bridges took kind of a step backwards there for a while, but he's been so consistent for the last three weeks or so, mm-hmm. where he's proven that he has a better game, something that we knew he had. He's brought it out. And tonight when he ended the game, just taking over, I'm like, okay, maybe it's Chris Paul, but the way that McHale can handle the ball, get better looking shots because he can create on him by himself. Paul, you need that screen. You need the screen and roll. You need the fadeaway, tough looking shots for, um, for, for a CP3, but also bridges are, they're tough looking shots too, but they're, they're different. A lot of them around the rim. He's drawing the foul. He's, Still has a fadeaway, but it's it's a different kind of fadeaway. It's not just after a pass, one dribble fadeaway. He gets to a spot and it's a fadeaway. He he can get us those big shots. He's pretty accurate. And I think he can be the number two. And the only reason I'm saying that is because he's continuing to be aggressive with the ball. And in the fourth quarter, where it didn't seem like he handled the ball as much again, I was like, I think Mikhail can or I think Mikhail's gonna get like 10 more shots this game. 10 more attempts. It didn't look too good going in the fourth, but kind of not. He's not Kyrie, but I was watching the, the Brooklyn Nets game before. He kind of ended this game the same way. It's like he wasn't, he couldn't stop the dude. He has the confidence that we want him to have. And he's just, he's impressive now, man. He, I trust the guy. Like I've been trusting him. And it might, he might slow down a little bit, but if Monty keeps on him, he'll keep playing this way. Not like he's going to make every shot. But in a way, we trust him to take that shot. And that's why I'm saying right now, I think he's number two, a little bit over Chris Paul. You bring up a lot of valid points in this conversation, and it's a valid conversation to have right now. Because, you know, first off, everything that Mikhail Bridges has done in the last eight games is exactly what we've needed him to do and be with Devin Booker out. Now, Devin Booker tonight missed his 16th consecutive game with that groin injury. And if if you look at how Mikhail Bridges was playing in those first few games with Devin Booker out, 
right? So starting with the game uh, at Memphis on the 27th of uh, December through the 11th of this month. Okay, I, I brought, I've uh, posted these statistics before, but in, in those nine games, he was shooting from the field 41.5%, which is not the end of the world for a forward, 38.2% from beyond the arc, not horrible at all, in any, by any means. You, that, that's what you want. He scored 14.6 points per game and attempting 11.8 field goals attempt, field goal attempts. And that is when I kind of put out there into the Twitter sphere some of you know I literally just put those statistics. I said that the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker, or, or I'm sorry, Mikhail Bridges with Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges without Devin Booker. And when you had compared the two statistics, it was pretty much the same. In fact, his shot attempts were down and his points per game were down. And that's when we had posed on the podcast the notion that maybe he isn't, maybe he's just not that guy. We want him to be that guy. And right now, these games without Devin Booker, this is when he he could really show off who he can be. And this is his opportunity to display what he can be as an offensive player. Since that tweet that I put out, and uh, which I put out on the 11th of January, since then, not including tonight, he's at 21.9 points per game. He's shooting 47% from the field. He's shooting 42% from beyond the arc. He's averaging 16.7 field goal attempts. So five more field goal attempts in the last seven games. Tonight against the San Antonio Spurs, he was 10 of 18. He was only one of four from beyond the arc, but he had 25 points in this game. He had four assists, a steal, a block, and he was an absolute, he he won the game for the Phoenix Suns in that fourth quarter. Uh, I don't see his current point total because NBA.com is being kind of funny, but it was at least nine of the 18 points for the Suns, if not more. And so when we ask that question, who is the number two offensively for the Phoenix Suns? In my opinion, it's a, it's a one, a one B right now. It's a two, a two B, right? Like it's, it's Devin Booker. And then it's Mikhail Bridges, two, a and Chris Paul, two B. I like that because Chris Paul is going to give you offensive production. He has been playing really well since his return and knowing that you have those two options when Devin Booker comes back and knowing that Mikhail Bridges has increased his effectiveness as an offensive player. And as you mentioned, the, his shot making, the way he's making those shots attacking, he, like you said, he's not just running across the middle and doing the fadeaway. He is dribbling into those fadeaways. He's, he's shot creating rather than hitting a jumper while cutting on the run. Those little developmental things that we've seen over these past eight games without Devin Booker present in the lineup, and let's be honest, with Chris Paul in the lineup, we've really seen a maturity and uh, an offensive threat that is a viable force for this Phoenix Suns team and is what we've needed from, from Mikhail Bridges. It's the same thing going back to Devin Booker. When Devin Booker was carrying this franchise for seasons, we were just looking for him. It's like, listen, we're not going to win these games. We just want to see him improve offensively. That's what we've seen from the warden over these past eight games. Yeah, someone did tweet out about the same time you tweeted out that massive tweet um, that Bridges should be a 20-point-per-game guy. That got a lot of shit, but I was like, you know what? He could be. He could be. Um, even with Booker back, he still can be. And the only reason is because when you're going through the first three quarters of this game, and I think he had maybe eight points or nine points. And I was just like, you know what, though? I still feel it in him. I, I feel like he is that guy that can be the closer where maybe he focuses on defense. Maybe he gets what he can offensively. But then when the time comes, when the Chris Paul towards the end of the game, he might be a little tired. He defers to Mikhail, and then Mikhail can take over and he can hit those shots. He can be, he just can be the number two, but he just answers a lot of our questions. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like I look forward to him to do that, to be in that position, to put the Suns in that position to win the game because he can do it. I just – I had no doubt. It's already just something I think about during games. I'm like, okay, Mikhail's going to get the ball towards the end of the game you know, because Booker's not there. But even when Booker's there, double teams, who knows, man? It might even open up Mikhail's game even more with the double teams and stuff with, with, uh, with Booker. It might be even better for him. Who knows? But that's the advantage of everything that's occurred with Devin Booker out is now he has the confidence and the know-how to do it. The one thing you hope is when Devin Booker returns, 
which appears to be right around the corner for the Phoenix Suns. The one thing you hope is he doesn't get into the deferment mode that he can get into at times to where he could be, he could have the ball, he could have the right matchup, he could dribble a couple times, get to his spot, but you know what? Devin's standing right over there, so I'm going to pass over to him. Because if you know Devin Booker, he will jump in his shorts and tell him, hey man, take that shot. Because that's what the future of this franchise ultimately is going to be, and that's why it's the 2A, 2B. Right? Because Chris Paul... He is being highly productive, and this is what his fourth game back, I believe. He's been highly productive since his return, but it's not sustainable. We know it's not sustainable for years to come. We don't know if it's even sustainable this season. So Mikhail Bridges having the ability, and he did it on both ends of the court, Matthew. That's what was fun about the overtime because we we said it. Once this game got to 110 to 110, and the Spurs had the ball, and they had like three shots at the basket. DA's missing rebounds and blocks and all kinds of stuff. They're missing the shots, thankfully. And it went to overtime, and De- and uh, Mikhail Bridges went on the right baseline and hit that Devin Booker-esque fadeaway. I was right with you. I was like, oh, this could be fun. This could be a Mikhail Bridges takeover opportunity. And then he did on both ends. He had the block on the three-pointer. Uh, he just He looked fantastic, man. Yeah, um, that is the best part is I feel like the way he was kind of owning it in the moment, I he celebrates a lot. Remember he got the technical last game with throwing down the, the threes and I totally did it wrong. When he when he got the technical, I was like, well, he's been doing that for forever. He does celebrate a lot, but even tonight he was kind of, I don't know if it was premature, but he just, he has a lot of confidence. I always remember Chris Paul talking about he's a guy in practice that you wouldn't expect to talk a lot of shit, but he does. Yeah. So I kind of like that part of him, you know what I mean? Because when he loses and stuff, he's very humble about it. He understands what he needs to do to do better next game. And he takes it personally. You can tell he takes it deeply personal whenever they do lose a game. He puts a lot on him. Um, so I like it. I feel like when he's cruising and he's like, nothing's, I'm not going to miss shit. Uh, well, I'm going to win this game for us. And I'm like, yeah, go do it, man. Go celebrate. Who gives a shit? What's going to happen? Who cares? Like yeah, what? They'll, you, they'll tee him up for premature. no reason. Yeah, that, that actually does happen. That <laughs> it might does happen. <laughs> I'm still frustrated with that technical from last game, but I don't want to talk about last game. He did game. hold on to it a little bit too long, but I was like, eh. He did, but I mean, it's just, it was the fact that it was like right in the bench, you know, so yeah. that's that's why I, I get it. Not a fan of it. Well, we talked about uh, 2A, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about 2B. The point So Chris Paul in this game, 12 of 20 from the field, 31 total points, one of four from beyond the arc, had seven rebounds, had 11 assists, two blocks, one steal, a a point of contention, the entire broadcast for Eddie Johnson, right? He's like, I mean, to the point, for those of you who didn't watch the game and you come to the Suns Jam Session podcast to have an understanding of what went on, Chris Paul was picking the pocket of the San Antonio Spurs throughout the game. And they weren't really putting it in the steals column. And Eddie Johnson was talking about <laughs> broadcast and he even said like during a time uh, media timeout that the official score for the San Antonio Spurs had asked for a Kleenex. And Eddie said, hey, how about you get them some glasses, too, so they can see the steals that Chris Paul had, you know, but 31 <laughs> points from the point guard, man. Highly impressive game. Yeah, he was cruising in the third. I, I thought Cameron Johnson came out really good in the third three for four. He started out hot. I was like, oh, this is going to be his quarter. But then he goes out, and Chris Paul kind of picks up. I mean, he was running the pick and roll with, with the DA a lot, but he was just kind of getting to his spot and hitting it. Um, he's been back for a while. But his game right now is just its super impressive because you just you wonder, like you mentioned it kind of earlier, like we don't know it's sustainable, right, if mm-hmm. it is going to the rest of the year. Who knows for the seasons to come? But even during a game, like can he continue to do it game to game? And he has. He's been, to, he's been the guy for us uh, really – just feeding off the bench. Booker is over there, just like, whoo, what's dude? And he missed the three, of course, the end of third to uh, end the third quarter. Of course, he did, but uh, he hit pretty much all of the rest of it. I think he was six for nine that quarter, 12 points. But that's that's it, man. I mean, if you have him, you have a Kel Bridges, you have Cameron Johnson, like all these guys that can just hit fucking shots. Yeah, <laughs> like, isn't it amazing? You, are you gonna stop it? Who knows? I, you know what I mean? You got Booker coming back. It's impressive because all these guys know where to go now on the court and they they can all be selfish and we will all accept it. And I feel like they just know what to do. Um, they they take turns in a way. And when it's Chris Paul's turn now, it's a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, because he's actually like he doesn't look like a thirty-seven-year-old or however old he is. Not at all. Because that's what happened is literally the day after he turned thirty-seven in the playoffs last season. Since his his latest injury, he looked old, old and slow. You know, I mean, you you look at the first forty games of the season for the Suns, right? Chris Paul played in twenty-six of them. And he averaged 13.1 points and 8.3 assists in those 26 games. Uh, 39.8% from beyond the arc, you know, but only on 4.2 attempts, 42% from the field. But 13.3 and 8.3 assists. I'm sorry, but those statistics alone led all us Suns fans to go, you know what? Like the the point got cooked and that's just that's just the way it is. And you just have to deal with it. Now, obviously, we're only four games back into him returning from his uh, time away. He he missed six games, seven games, I'm sorry. Uh, but since he's been back, he's averaging 22.3 points per game. He's averaging 11 assists a game. So from 13.8 and 8.3 to 22.3 points and 11 assists. That's why he's the 2B. And it's nice to have the point guard back, man. It really is. Oh. Yeah, and the the rest too. Like he he's gotten the rest now. Is a long stretch after the All Star game comes. He'll be ready for whatever. I feel like he. I just I don't I don't want him to go too hard. I like the way he's playing right now. Three. I just I feel like if he goes too hard, then he'll get hurt or something. And you don't want him to fall and hurt his elbow or something crazy like that or or anything. So that that's my next mm-hmm. question to you, Matthew. How do you think Monty Williams navigates Chris Paul? Just, you know, you got to take it in segments, right? From here to the All-Star break, right? The All-Star break's the middle of February. We're two and a half weeks out from that, right? How do you think he navigates that? Does he yeah. sit there and go, you know what, Chris? We're going to play you. Uh, again, you know, prior to tonight, the last three games, he was averaging 34.6 minutes per night, and he had 39 minutes. So he's coming back. He's getting like 36 minutes a game. It's not what. <laughs> it's not ideal for the yeah. point guard, right? But his production has yeah. been key to the Suns in those four games to be three and one. And honestly, they could have been four and zero oh if we didn't have a boneheaded center in the last game. So if that's the case, do you go? Does Monty Williams say, "Listen, between here and the All Star break, Chris, you're going to play. We're going to play the shit out of you," knowing that Devin Booker's soon going to be back and can take some of that pressure off of him, hoping that Cameron Payne can soon be back, hoping that Landry Shamit can soon be back. Do you think that's what Monty does, or does Monty just have no strategy whatsoever? With Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul just does what he wants to do. Um, you hear it all the time during tonight's game where Chris Paul wanted to come back two minutes early. He did because he wants to. I think they have an understanding where it's like Chris Paul will play when he wants to play. Beginning of the season, we were talking about we want Cameron Payne to be our starter and Chris Paul come off the bench, right? We said that almost after every game early in the season. And uh, now it's like, well, you can kind of see Chris Paul is back. And now he's going to just pretty much play when he wants to play the minutes. I think he can, you can play the 35 to 40 a night. He's going to, um, I think it took so long for him to get into basketball shape. Mm-hmm. And now that we don't, well, what do we have like 40 games, not even 40 games, like 30 games left, 31 games. Yeah. Left. yeah. Now that we only have that left, that much left, he needs that, that amount of time to really get into shape, especially with, with um, Booker coming back and this offense and you have to work eight and then stuff like they have to work on a lot going into the playoffs. They have to be comfortable. So I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, man. And I don't think Monta can do anything about it. And that's fine. I'm okay with it because I, I like these guys playing, you know, I yeah. mean, I, Jefferson had that big thing where he's talking about these players, you know, just taking nights off and shit. It's like, dude, just play. You never, you don't know how long you're going to be in the NBA. And um, it doesn't matter because there's so much talent. So even if you are playing and you get hurt because of the amount of minutes you're playing, we want to the next guy. That's the way the NBA should be. I know that sounds sh- shitty, but it's just like, I just, I just feel like these guys should play when they have the opportunity because you never know when to slip away. And Chris Paul hasn't won a championship and he's kind of just sitting there and he's, he's like, fuck, like this season might be my last, but he's going to play every game so that he can just like LeBron. I agree with you hundred percent. I wish I was sitting here like, no, we need a, Monty needs to strategize to make sure that Chris Paul's only getting 20 minutes a game and this and that's like, that's there's no history that tells us that Monty Williams is going to do that or Chris Paul is going to do that. If Chris Paul's healthy, he's going to play and he should play. 
plain and simple. Nobody owns tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, maybe we know what happens is the playoffs come around, and this is the way that I look at this, okay? The way that the playoffs are structured with a game on, night off, game on, night off, game on, night off, right? That's that's the grind, especially in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, right? That's the grind that hurts Chris Paul and kind of has for the past decade, if you will, since he's been about 27 years old. So I don't care if he, if you're giving him rested minutes in late January or early February, it doesn't matter because by the time you hit May and April and May and you hit the, that structure of scheduling in the playoffs, the wear and tear, it's not like he's like, oh man, I'd be a lot fresher today, but fuck, I paid 39 minutes on a game in January. So guess I'm not as fresh. As, no, it's just, it's not how it is. It's recovery within those time frames. So I'm with you. I think that Monty Williams, Chris Paul, the history that they've displayed, they're not going to change the way that they're going to structure his minutes and try to negate him from being on the court. And we needed him tonight, man. The way that he took over in that third slash fourth quarter was vital because the Spurs just didn't stop coming, man. They didn't stop coming. You take a look at the Spurs. A couple of the guys I want to talk about real quick. The first being this Jeremy Sohan kid from Baylor, 40 minutes played, or 40, yeah, 40 minutes played. He was 11 of 25 from the field. Career high as a rookie, career high, 30 points, three of six from beyond the arc with an ugly shot, 11 of 25, eight rebounds, five assists. When we talk about Jeremy Sohan, is this going to be a kid who moving forward is going to be a thorn in the sun side like four or five years from now? Because <laughs> it knows? feels I, like I, it. It feels like it, but I feel like right now with the sport, the Spurs organization, there's so many moving parts, but he... He can be the only thing that the thing that I noticed most uh, when watching his game is how cool, calm and collected he is really throughout the game and how smart he is. He seems like he has a pretty high IQ. He kind of, you know, he draws a foul against DeAndre Ayton or didn't draw. He tried to draw Ayton's fourth foul, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Ayton got the call for once. And, you know, things like that. I'm like, okay, that's like that's like kind of, you know, like a little bit more. uh, You would think he would be a little bit more amateur, but out there he seems like kind of like a vet in a way. He he kind of does, and maybe it's just because he's playing against 19, the Suns, dude. I know, isn't it crazy? But isn't he crazy. Seems, he seems mature. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I look at. But I look, um, I look at these players a lot, and just like, how mature are they already? How are they act on the court with between t- t- teammates? But honestly, like, how how can he be a dick? I guess on the court when you have Popovich as a coach, he would probably saw your head right off because yeah. he can't be that way. But he seems like he's a mature, good teammate, and that's big. And the thirty points. Phew, fuck dude everyone was hitting those threes too towards the end of the game yeah all of a sudden the the spurs who are one of the worst teams when it comes to three-point shooting in the league turn into a team full of steph curry's i was like are you kidding me it always happens against the phoenix suns (laughs) i know then you have then you have kelton johnson and kelton johnson is a known commodity if you will in the for the san antonio spurs it's like kelton johnson and jacob pertle are the two guys coming into this game that like i knew were on the team I didn't know Zach Collins was on the team. I was like, oh, shit, that's where that guy ended up. Injured all that time in Portland, and now he's down there in San Antonio. But Keldon Johnson played 41 minutes. He was 15 of 26 from the field, 3 of 9 from beyond the arc. He had 34 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. It's just another one of those solid players. He's he's an Olympian. He's somebody who, you know, Eddie Johnson was saying, well, you know, he's going to be an all-star someday. And I, I, it's just like, uh, God, who did they just trade to the Hawks? Oh, um, Dejounte Murray. Yeah, jeez, it was the same thing with like Dejounte Murray. With Dejounte Murray, (laughs) all those years with Dejounte Murray, and there was they were like, uh, he's going to be an all star. He got in as an all star, but like Keldon Johnson is that next guy. My question is, do you think that in any way, shape, or form he becomes available on the market? I I doubt it, considering that he just signed a four-year, $74 million rookie extension and isn't an unrestricted free agent until 2027. But he's making, like next year, for example, he's making $20 million, then 19, then 17.5 in the next two years. So he's a highly tradable asset. Do you wish this Phoenix Suns could get him? No, I don't. I mean, I like how he is listed as a small forward. He plays big for his position, I feel like. Um, He does a lot of the right things. Like I even mentioned with Jeremy, like he just seems like a guy that's, you know, a little bit more mature out there. Um, I think 
the Spurs can hold on to him, and they probably will. But it'd be nice oh, yeah. to kind of get rid of a better player to get Wembenyama, of course. But mm. you know, they just haven't had anything for a while. I know they had Dejounte Murray, and that didn't work out. Now you kind of know his personality, him calling out the Spurs and stuff. So there was always stuff. There's always gonna be shit between players and the franchise. This is crazy. Like you just never hear about it till they leave. Um, yeah. But I think they just need kind of something there to keep it kind of fresh and just something you know to keep these fans that come to games. Because if you just Tank the season, you're not going to have anything. But even the subreddit stakeout, there was four people in there, dude. Everyone was taking a fucking nap today during this game. <laughs> well, I hope you guys don't take a nap during this ad from DraftKings. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot on an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. We're really looking forward to that AFC championship game between Burrow and Mahomes. Should be a hell of a tosser. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, buddy. All right. Let's talk about it. Watch. All right, DeAndre Ayton in this game, after being crucified by myself on the last podcast. Listen to it, I think. I don't know. 37 minutes played, 11 for 20 from the field. It's 23 points total, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, no blocks. What do you think of DeAndre Ayton in this game? Well, there was like no extra curricular, curricular, curricular activities from him. You know, you always get like a little bit of his like kind of personality peeping out once in a while. But tonight it wasn't. It was just kind of serious. Um, he just wanted it. it. seemed like he just wanted to play the game and get out of there. Um, stats look really good. Um, it's just the only time you can really trust him in these situations when you're trying to win a game is when he's rolling with the ball with Chris Paul. Anytime he does kind of throw those those jump hooks out there, they just didn't look too good, man, especially in crunch time. He just gets kind of skittish. He doesn't really have, you know, of course, his footing yet so like i said in the beginning of the pod there's still a lot of learning to do with him on the court like a lot like if you watch that bench with him and you saw booker on the sideline trying to coach him up and stuff but it's just it's non-stop it's a lot and i think it's too much really for the remainder of the season right to try to get this offense into things so he kind of has to take a step back and just be the other guy but he still has a lot of shot attempts tonight what do you have 23 20 20? 23 points on 20 shot attempts yeah so 20 so that's fucking awesome man he had i think 13 at the half yeah. So he's always going to get his shot attempts no matter. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I think that with his current situation and, you know, he got shit on a lot last game. I still want to see how he is with this team when Booker comes back, of course. But it just, it seems like just, it's very hard to watch him at times, especially just on the defensive end. That's the worst part. I know the stats are there, but. Well, the stats he doesn't haven't get been up. there recently. There, not for the recently, defensive though. end, yeah. But like for offense, he's getting like yeah. twenty points a game, basically. But yeah, defensively, he has no lift. He doesn't try to actually block the shot. He doesn't have any shot deterrence like he used to. These guys are basically getting to the lane and they're just putting up anything off the class. He had sixty-six points tonight in the paint. Not, not all of that's against Aiden, but it's just like it's so easy, man. Guys are getting teardrops over him. Everything mm-hmm. they want. And he's just not used to seeing that. So it's been that that's been kind of annoying for me. It's it's funny how different from a defensive standpoint he looks after you see some busy, right? Like busy yeah. times it perfectly. He swatched shit. It's night and day. It's it completely different. And you're right. The shot deterrence hasn't necessarily been there like it's been in the past. And maybe it's a lack of focus. Maybe it's let let's be real. Monty Williams is doing what we've asked Monty Williams to do. Right, Monty Williams is saying, "Listen, DeAndre Ayton, we need to incorporate you more into the offense." Because again, when Devin Booker was first out, DeAndre Ayton wasn't getting a ton of shot attempts, and we were all puzzled. We're like, "Hey, this is when he should be. Whether he makes him or not, you need to start incorporating him into the offense." Right. So, 
you look at his last three games played. Nats, you know, again, he, he missed three games due to, they said, an upper respiratory illness that he says he got from his son. You look at his last three games played. He's had 20 shot attempts, 20 shot attempts, 20 shot attempts. So they are focusing more on at least trying to run the offense through him a little bit more. And I appreciate that for the same reasons that I said everything about Mikhail Bridges. With your primary scorer out and Devin Booker, who averages 27.1 points per game, who is somebody who shoulders the offensive load for you, who when he goes out, all of a sudden you're missing a guy. There's 20.4 extra shots per game that are available for you to take. So Mikhail Bridges, all of a sudden, in the last nine or eight and eight games, he's increased his shot attempts. In the last three games for DeAndre Ayton, he's increased his shot attempts. That's what we want to see right now. Until Devin Booker's back, these guys should be playing and getting more shot attempts. So what does that mean? Well, we're seeing it sacrificed on the defensive end with DeAndre Ayton because he's not used to playing both sides of the court with that much energy. We've seen it where he'll have really good offensive games, and then on the defensive end, he's kind of suspect. We've seen it like tonight, and the Big Warthog says it in the chat. And again, thank you, everyone who's hanging out in the chat. We really ap- appreciate it. It's the Big Warthog says, Aiden played better, but still looks fatigued. And that's valid. He, do- he does look a little fatigued out there, especially uh, in the-, the fourth quarter in overtime. He just looked tired. And you were seeing it because what were they trying to do in the fourth quarter? Well, they were trying to feed the ball to Aiden. And Aiden was missing the little hook shot. He had one where it was a pick and roll with Chris Paul, and he went to go put it in a little, you know, five-footer, just completely missed everything. And that's where that frustration sets in. So I'm trying to approach this from a sense of understanding and empathy, right? Whereas last podcast, I just went off on him. I'm like, dude, you went six for 20. I get you're getting the 20 shot attempts, but dude, you fucking sucked and you didn't grab any rebounds when we needed you to. I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know what? This is a guy who just came off of three. uh, uh, He missed in three games due to upper respiratory illness. Again, I don't know about you, but when I'm sick and I have upper respiratory, I was sick all last week. Maybe that's why I was so cranky the last podcast. It was the first podcast where like, I was at the tail end of my sickness. But when I'm sick, it takes me a little bit of time to recover, and I'm not even running around on a court. So by the fourth or, f- or fourth quarter in overtime, I would be fucking gassed too if I was him. But they were still trying to keep him incorporated in the game. So I'm trying to look at it from that, from that standpoint and through, those, through that lens. If you know what I mean. No, I, I totally understand. Um, these games though, they they just it's practice for what you can expect co- going forward into the playoffs and how his game's gonna match up against other bigs, how he can help this team and you know, end the game situations. And right now it's basically it's you know, put the ball in his hands if you want, but then you're gonna get kind of you know an awkward shot. He's he's skittish, but that's why he needs it more. He needs more. That's attempts. what drives me crazy about that him, because he doesn't, because he hasn't been in the situation though. You know, it's no one's, it's no one's fault. It's, it's just basically the way the Suns ran their offense. You know what them being like yeah, a guard or third option. Yeah. But also he was okay with that. He was okay with that for the past two years. Now it's be? like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, sweet, I'm the fourth option. Sweet. But now he's getting paid 30 million. I know exactly. So yeah. now, now it's the fifth year. Now it's like, okay, now we expect a lot. So he has to keep listening to these coaches. He has to keep practicing every day to make sure. I mean, every game he has to practice on this so where he knows what to do. It has to be fluid. Because when I'm watching like the Sixers and I'm watching Embiid, um, Aiden's not Embiid. Embiid is bigger. He's longer for sure. Mm-hmm. But their games are almost kind of like they're almost the same on offense. Like he has the same kind of like little, he has a little um, shot, a little jump hook. He has a little fadeaway shot. The only thing, though, is Aiden that Embiid has that makes him the superstar. He imposes his will, mm-hmm. but he also knows how to get to the free throw line. So, hundred percent. If Aiden knew how to get to the free throw line, I don't think we would have any issues with anything. Hell no. And tonight, two attempts. Last game, I think. What do you have? Six he had ten. Or eight? He had ten. He had ten. Yes. Yeah, and so that was and, and that was part of like you know as I was ripping Aiden in the last one, a lot of the jamsters were saying it because again I went back and I watched the podcast and I watched the live chat and a lot of them were saying it's like we asked him to play physical. John, he got to the free throw line ten times and and they're right. Like he finally put a game together where he was actually attacking the rim, but then he goes back yeah. in this game and he stops attacking the rim. Yeah. Okay. And then Detonable's Detonable does say that Embiid's game is totally different from Da's. It is. So what I'm saying is basically he has the same kind of shot. He has the same kind of spots on the floor that DA has. 
All right. And B will shoot the three hits two in a row, whatever. And well, B's very confident. The thing is, and the Embiid, reason he shoots through two in a row is because he's tired on offense and he doesn't want to play offense. So, and, but they run the whole offense through him. That's yes, the difference. Ex- exactly. Yeah. But that's what we wanted Aiden to do with the stretch that we wanted to run the offense through him. I've always thought his whole career, we can run the offense through him. There's been times where I'm like, he's a great passer. He can do a lot. Just run it through him. It's fine. But now when you get into situations where you want him to get a good looking shot attempt or get at the free throw line, it's almost impossible. And B just he he's that player that can get any kind of shot he wants, but he's a bigger dude, of course. But it just Aiton doesn't impose his will like Embiid does. No one's scared of DA. If if like who was it that ran right through DA tonight and just kind of got Keldon Johnson? He hit him right in the freaking jaw or whatever. Like that would never happen if with like against Embiid. And I'm not saying Aiden is or can be Embiid, but I'm just saying that's what we always kind of envision. Like for me, and I feel like where he can be that type of player, but it's not going to happen. And that's the type of player we kind of need to win a championship. We need a guy that composes will in the mm-hmm. center mm-hmm. position and just get to the line, block because shots. Got to the line, and, but that's just not him. So that's what's going to be, be so interesting with this man. That's going to be so he's interesting. A, he's a damn good free throw shooter, and and you hit it right on the head. If he just wasn't scared of the contact, if he wasn't scared of contact, and 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 you know just just do. I mean, we everyone in the NBA does it. You got Jakob Pertl out there getting the line because somebody will like brush up against him and he'll just kind of act like he got hit a little bit. DA doesn't sell any contact. One, he avoids it. And when it does happen, he doesn't sell it. He expects the referees to be because to do he doesn't the job know how right. to yet. Because he he's never practiced to. it. He doesn't know how to. And Embiid is you think never with Chris Paul on the team. He teach him how to sell some fucking fouls. But that's the thing, though. That's what EJ goes back to when, when we're talking about what EJ said about he doesn't take the next steps that Booker and Chris Paul want him to. You have guys on this team that want you to succeed and will want you to be the best you can be. But I yeah. feel like he's just never been that guy to care too much to really go to that next level, like an Embiid, to where he can be physical and dominant because he can be. It just takes time. It's going to look really ugly. But yeah. now it's kind of too late in a way. But maybe it's not. Maybe if he it's can not continue... because he just signed the deal, man. Like we got him for the next I know, and we're gonna we're gonna have him. But it just depends how they use him now because he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be the fourth guy on our offense, our fifth guy now. I just think because the way it looked tonight too, it's just like I don't trust it. He's the last guy I trust with the ball, so it'll be that way for a while. It, no, you're 100 percent right. And again, that's what makes him so polarizing as a player. He's your number one pick. He's your he's your max center. He can put up some good statistics so some people can sit there and they can bring the statistics out and be like, well, look, 23 and 8, like really good game. And then you can watch the game and you can see something completely different because we view him under that microcosm and we will continue to do so. But once it again, we spent, we spent way too much time I talking love about it, DeAndre it's so Aiden. fun. I, oh, I God, honestly, it's, it's my favorite segment. I, I do too. I like talking about it. And and you, it's funny because you watch the chat and everybody's like, yeah, you know, Mikhail, you know, pro and con Mikhail, pro and con uh chris paul and then you put you, you say the word deandre and everyone's just like i'll fucking kill you i'm gonna find you they're, they're like people start arguing in the chat it's fantastic and that's the that's that's what deandre Ayton is that's what he does to us man that's what he does to us what's up i got a real quick <clears throat> quick question i was i wrote this in my notes tory craig he had eight points tonight he hit that big three uh, he was really silent, but he had a big three in over, or um, I'm sorry, in regulation uh, that helped the team ultimately send it to overtime. Yeah. You know, but outside of that, where the hell has Tory Craig been? Like, honest, like, honestly, you know, he had you know, 20 points against the Memphis Grizzlies, but he had zero points against Charlotte. He had five points against Dallas. Like, he's just, you know, six rebounds tonight, eight points. Do you think that Cameron Johnson being back, like Tory Craig's just like, wah, wah, wah. no, I think that a lot of it has to do with um, DeAndre Ayton. No, it actually kind of does maybe um, in a way, because you can even tell the way that the Suns are getting to the free throw line. Like they only, they had the 26 attempts tonight, but they were, it seemed like they would always get to it a lot more without DA. But also I just think the the cutting and stuff is kind of down a little bit. Like if DA were to play more towards the free throw line, he's a great passer that can hit a lot of these guys. And he loved Torrey Craig, I feel like, when they first started playing together without Cameron Johnson. But now it's just kind of like he's kind of taking a step back. Um, Torrey Craig, that is. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine with it. I think you got to save that energy. You always notice that he is talking and helping DA out a lot more, though. They do talk a lot on rebounds. There's always still some miscommunication. So 
honestly think, like I said before last pod, it's going to take a while. I know DA was only missing three games, but with everyone else coming back, it's going to take everybody else to kind of adjust in their own way. So I think Torrey Craig's part of that. And I yeah, think Torrey, I Craig's, Torrey Craig's fine. He's not costing the Suns on a lot of plays. He's just not really there. But we never really expect him to be like that guy. I love that we can count on McHale and Cameron Johnson to be like, oh, those guys are getting the ball. I noticed those guys in the I would rather notice those guys more than Cameron than uh Tory Craig. No, you're right. You know what I mean, you, you you talk me down. I was like, I want a little bit more from Tory just because I like Tory. I love Tory though. I, I've liked him this season, but I see that the chat's still heated. So I, I there's one way to always cool the chat off, Matthew. The Sarge smoke break. And that is quite simply to have a little bit of a smoke break, everybody. Dario Sarch in this game, 23 minutes played, <laughs> one of eight from the field, two points, 13 boards. Woo! That's one block. Good. How about how about Sarge, <laughs> baby? How about Sarge? How about Sarge and our, our boy Suns Geek hanging out in the chat? Get them right down there, Suns Geek. Hang out in the chat. Get everyone to be nice to each other again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Sarge can really bring a room together. Oh, no, he can. Those well, boards, dude. Those fouls, too. Did he have seven fouls tonight? He, he ended up with four, but he ended up with four. We got three right away or something. Chris, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> he, just, right he right just always away. does, dude. And he, he just looks at the ref. He's like, "Shit, are you kidding me?" There, he's like, yeah. "Yeah, man." Like he's like, yeah. the forehead foul had fouled one person." But <laughs> you walked in there like that forehead technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what he does for this team though is just whatever every game is so random and so weird you know you always have a hard time talking about these guys because they might have the same game every game but Sarge is just different you know? man but then i just i just sit back and i enjoy it i don't know dude if we win it's okay <laughs> uh real quick josh akogi and damian lee like yeah. what happened to them this is the adjustment i think dude i really think dude but they're, but they're not on. out there but they're not out there with cam johnson like no i mean like just um because I feel like the way you have to play when you're missing guys and then when DA was out, like they even played better like that. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we got to take over this game. Cause when a comes in, it seems like he's trying to get into the groove, but he makes more mistakes now. Where it's like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing now? Like we don't need that. You like those, the certain shots he had off of one legged, like he was doing some way, one legged weird shit. And it's just like, Oh, we don't need that now anymore. Yeah, Kogi, he like, to, like play your game, that, but that's the adjustment. That running right? jumper off the window. That was like, yeah. Three feet too high. yeah. And EJ's like, uh, that's a no or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So you're getting weird games. Lee's still trying to do what did he, I thought he had a decent game. Was it three for eight? It just seemed like it was decent. He, he was know. three for eight for seven points. Yeah. He's, you know, I don't know, man. He was turning the ball over to what do you have? Three turnovers. Yeah. He's yeah. doing too much with the ball still. So I'm not even going to talk about it. So he, fucking stops doing that shit like just stop handling the ball so much man yeah rather annoying rather annoying and then the only other question i had was about this lights cameron action cameron johnson in this game 32 minutes played 5 of 12 from the field had 15 points four rebounds two assists uh was really kind of a spark in the second quarter as i was napping uh do you like the cameron johnson's the only guy out there wearing black shoes I never notice the shoes. Why? I I never. I always notice if they're like a bright color or something, but I never notice as much. I hear a lot of shoe talk all the time. Maybe because I just, I've never been into shoes that much. Wear Vans. I do because you know why? It's because all these new designs and stuff. It's like how many different kind of designs can you have on these shoes? Some of them pop, but but what they do is they take the old shoes, like the Kobe Proton Fours or fives and they just have different colors on them and stuff and they they rock mm-hmm. the jays and i i love I, I i like cameron johnson he's the only guy out there he's got white socks black shoes i love the look and like because because what cam johnson's do, does is he'll sit there and he had that that great run where he just you know he made a great defensive play he goes down he takes it right to the rack and he's just like like his little his, his little white socks and black feeders like running back yeah. or it just looks cool i don't know that's just me i just he's I he again he's a, he almost injured tory craig today too like yeah, that fall he yeah. had he oh my god down, man. man chill out yeah i was worried about that but you know what i wasn't worried about subreddit stakeout the sun's jam session subreddit stakeout All right, Matthew, you were hanging out in San Antonio. What was going on on the San Antonio subreddit? This has got to be good. So it was uh, definitely nap time in San Antonio. Like I said, there was two people 
going back and forth on subreddit for like the that's, whole first two i swear to god for the first half unless oh. i'm in the wrong spots dude because i only took two comments from there man i was like i'm not gonna what am i doing in here like it's the same two people and they're just talking about the game very depressing it was like walking to like an old people's home and like you know the, the old boob tubes on he's sitting next to him and there's just two older guys talking that's not depressing that's actually probably more but, fun but they weren't even talking time. about the television show <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was actually more like a saint asylum but just like looking at a screen that's not even on um biombo has been annoyingly good against us for the last two years that is true and sarich is ass Yeesh. okay wow well, and that's the the Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. The shortest one ever. Like the segment, like the, the lead up segment is longer than the actual segment. I should have yeah. just read it during the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> just read those two and then carry on with your life. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Jam Start, well, let's let's go ahead and talk about Jam Start. I got some things to talk about outside of it. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, reminder, subscribe, rate, review, hit that thumbs up button, and all that good stuff. My turn to go first. I'm going Mikhail Bridges. Fantastic in this game. Six for six in the fourth quarter and overtime combined for 14 points. He is quite easily the reason why this Phoenix Suns team survived and that we're not killing ourselves on live tv (laughs) yeah you know i was gonna give it to chris paul because i feel like you know chris paul took over obviously um but it's just nice i'm gonna go mikhail though because it's just nice you have the other guy that can just take over now it's it's him for sure yeah it was absolutely huge man it's just absolutely huge i like it it, and and you need it and again i just i can't wait till devin booker's back just to see how it's gonna be so fun dude i like i don't want are you gonna cry when he's back I don't want. Yeah, yeah. I almost. I might cry a little bit. I almost. I almost. I, I like. I'll be. I'll be teary eyed. It'll be. Yeah. Tough. Well, did that. you hear Bill Simmons talk about him? Yeah. Oh, the low. Yeah, low. I didn't. I didn't hear it until today. I didn't even listen to the low post pod. Yeah, so. I don't. I didn't either. That. But that was the first time I'd heard it. He's just like. Yeah. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, other things I wanted to talk about before we get out of here today. Okay, we got about eight minutes before. Uh, question number one: What should I have for dinner? <laughs> I haven't I eaten know. yet. I, well, honestly, dude, I uh I always hear the there's that repeat of the Taco Bell commercial that's always on. Dong. It's like with the Avril Lavigne song. It's like say it to myself, say it to yourself. And it's like there's like attractive people eating out in the desert, flying planes. It's like yeah, fucking turn the TV off. I fucking hate this shit. So should I get? Taco I would say Del. I was still Taco Bell. I had Del Taco last night. Okay, maybe I'll go get some what Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. What about Whopper, Whopper, Whopper Jr., Whopper Jr., Whopper Jr.? I don't Jr. hear that one. <laughs> Watch the show. Cousin Sal hears it all the time. Uh, Matt Ishbia will be taking over ownership. It's reported that he's going to do so on the 8th of February. Trade deadline's the 9th of February. Do you think he comes in and it's just like, yo, let's trade some shit, man? Or do you think he's just like, all right, Jay Crowder, and that's it? I think he has a feel right now. I think he knows what he's going to do when he gets in there. I think they know exactly what's going to happen when they can make a trade. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be something totally random. I think it's going to be something small. But, yeah. So, what do you think? in that same breath, there's two players that have been linked. A lot of people are being linked to the Suns right now. It's that time of year where we are about mm, two weeks. I think we're just shy of two weeks. 12 days. Yeah, 13 days until the trade deadline. So now you're starting to hear all of these. Well, so-and-so is linked to so-and-so. Everybody's linked to the Suns right now. Just understand that, Suns fans. As you're scrolling through Twitter or if you're on Facebook or you're reading the newspaper and you're seeing people or you're listening to Burns and Gambo, who anytime there's anybody, he's like, there's no, there's no way that guy is is uh, linked to the Suns. But anytime, because the, of the Jay Crowder asset, everybody's linked to the Suns because the Suns are actively shopping a player and everybody knows it but two names came up this week and i want to get your thoughts on these two players being linked linked to the phoenix suns the first is none other than devin booker's guy delo what what do you think about him potentially coming to the phoenix suns you know it's it's a guy that i didn't like um i feel like he has a lot of growing up to do but i'm like you know what like 
<clears throat> excuse me, who really was a leader on their team? Who's the guy that can, you know, kind of help them out as a veteran? I think we have that on this team. So if he were to be traded, it's like, what do we give up? Did we give up a bunch of our guards for his and then a couple first round picks or something? I'm kind of down with that only because I feel like we have leaders on this team that can kind of guide them. And Booker always said he wanted to play with him. I think he would be a good guy, but what would he do? Come off the bench? Would he be okay with that? Yeah, he'd have to be. He would have to be okay with that. But I don't know if that's too much money for a guy coming off the bench. Um, so it's kind of weird. I'm not super excited if it happens. I just have to see what we give up for him. That's a, that's the a worrisome part for me. Well, what's interesting about D'Lo is he's an understicker free agent next year. He's an expiring contract. That's why his name's being is he? Okay, now. he is. He's he's 31 million this year. But that being said, and don't quote me on this jamsters because i'm not 100 percent sure how it works although i will be soon because i'm putting together this whole trade primer piece for brightsideofthesun.com but he he's 31 million this year but part of that's already been paid out right so it's not a full 31 million that you'd have to pay for him it's probably somewhere around half of that so like jay crowder slash something could equal that i'm not sure i, I will have to check on that um, but I'm with you. I, D'Lo is somebody who I think he's he's inefficient. He's kind of a hero ball kind of guy. We have enough guards, I feel. And I feel like D'Lo is one of those guys who could potentially screw up team chemistry. And again, like this is the other side of the, the trade deadline debate. And this is something that I always kind of talk about. It's like whatever you're doing, you have to keep team chemistry intact. Now, if he comes in, he's somebody who comes in off the bench and yeah, it doesn't necessarily mess up team chemistry that much. If you're trading for a starter, like the next guy I'm going to mention, like, yeah, it's going to, the team chemistry will be affected. So D'Lo, if the, if the money's right and it involves Jay Crowder out the door, I'm okay with it. Um, but again, like, I, I think you'd have to send out too much to actually get D'Lo here. So maybe, yeah. Uh, and plus, what did he go seven for seven tonight in the first quarter? From yes, three or from, something from crazy. The arc, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he must know something. He's up at his value. Yeah, he, he knows something. But again, that question becomes, you know, is he going to be a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves after the trade deadline? Because he's an expiring contract. They're going to try to get something for him. Well, I don't know. After games like that where, you know, a lot of Wolves fans are saying like, oh, that backcourt looks good. Maybe one game. But it's I'm telling you, man, they he needs someone to, you know, put him under their wing. And I think Booker's the perfect guy. Booker's like the older brother to him i feel like in a way he's like here come over here we'll tell you what to do but you gotta listen you gotta listen yeah. to us and we'll yeah. put you in a good way to win well and booker has if that he's coming off our bench people. that's pretty fucking good for a guard for him I, I think that's an awesome pickup it's just like you said what can we what do we have to give up that's yeah what do we have part. to give up and landon alverson says in the chat we have enough guards really that's a horrible take we have a guy on a 10-day contract and a backup point guard uh let, let me say this landon we have enough guards. We don't have enough healthy guards right now because Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, and Landry Shamet are all injured. If they're all present and accounted for, yeah, we have enough guards. We're six deep at guard. We need, I, in my opinion, we need more help on the forward position uh, behind True. our power forward. Which brings me to the next guy who the Suns have yeah. been linked in, or linked to, not on LinkedIn, and that's John Collins. And, and here, here we go, the John Collins debate. Uh, it was mentioned by, I believe, Zach Lowe. He mentioned that the the Suns are a team that are interested. Uh, and, and Zach Lowe mentioned trading expiring salary plus two picks and then says the Hawks might be willing to do it for one pick. So if you trade an expiring contract, which is uh, Jay Crowder. God, I almost forgot the guy's name. It's been so long since I've seen him, seen him play. But if you, if you send Jay Crowder and a pick, to the uh, the Atlanta Hawks, looking at John Collins, is he somebody who you'd be interested in bringing into the Phoenix Suns? If that's all you give up for John Collins, yeah. Um, I almost had the same kind of take on him as I do D'Lo. I think he just needs like kind of good leadership. That team's been falling apart, right? I mean, yep. they don't have the leadership that the Suns have. And I know everyone's like, well, what, what are you talking about? Like, Jay wants to leave here, so where's the leadership? But that's his own thing. That's He's older now. He's trying to move on and do his own thing, make more money. I think John Collins would fit good. If you give up only Jay Crowder and you tell me we have John Collins added to this team, um, fuck, dude, I would I would do backflips over that one. I really would. I wouldn't give up Mikhail or Cameron Johnson or anybody the valuable as valuable as that 
for John Collins, but mm-hmm. he's not a guy, of course, to get to the free throw line too much. I think he has like two or three attempts per game, but he's a guy that he plays hard. I feel like if he has a good situation around him, he'll play hard for you. And he just, he does a lot of things that like Mikhail can do, but also he can do a lot of things of like shot creating and stuff like that. So I feel like he's still blossoming into a player that he, I think he can be, which is a hustle player that can score under the rim. And I think that's something the Suns might need, man. You know what I mean? That would be awesome, right? I think so. I mean, he's he's 25 mil a year, so you'd have to send a couple assets out. I just, again, locker room guy. This is where I talk about team chemistry. Like, locker room guy, he's somebody who has been uh, just not playing to his potential because his name's been in the rumors. He's moody, things of that nature. And who knows? Maybe a change of scenery. Maybe it's an Aaron Gordon situation, right? Like, Aaron Gordon, all of a sudden, he goes to Denver. And granted, he's playing next to a two-time and potential three-time MVP. But all of a sudden, he starts playing really well. Yeah, I just don't know if John Collins is the right fit because I feel like we just have another DA issue. I honestly think that we'd have a guy who who can be the difference is he can make a slam dunk, right? Like, but everything outside of that, he's not a great defender in any way, shape or form. Um, And again, the, the challenge I have with John Collins is like, why does Atlanta want to trade him all the time? Like they extended him. They gave him a five year, hundred twenty five million dollar contract that kicked in last season. He's not a UFA until twenty twenty six. I don't know. So why they there, always want to, you know, there are those why, guys that are on other teams that teams want to get rid of. And then we're sitting over here. Like, how come you want to get rid of John Collins? I mean, I see it. I, I know why, like you just pointed it out, obviously, but I can see why they would want to get him up and 25 mil. I mean, what do we pay Mikel 20 per season? Yeah. Per game? Like 21, per 20, 21, up, to, like? up, up to 24. I'm not saying Collins is better. I think the potential's there. Um, if the Suns see something that they think they can manage, then why not? But yeah, like you said, they're going to have to give up maybe like a sham at two and a camera pain to match the contracts, which yeah. I'm fine with that too. For John Collins, I'm not. Really? I'm, I'm just not. Because then you're really depleted at guard. And Landon, Landon responded, he said, backup point guards, what I'd prefer by, prefer by 10 miles. Let's debate. No, I'm, I'm with you. I would like, I would like our, our point guard of the future. That's what would be great is if we literally had the guy just stand there. Yeah. Place, I mean, that'd be, that'd be the best case scenario. But that's not going to happen. At the trade they send it the, like quickly or guys like that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking the way McHale can handle the ball and stuff. When you have Booker, like, does it matter if we have one or two backup point guards like Chris Paul that can come in? Like a Dwayne Washington, or even if we had the guy, um, fuck the ten, <laughs> the Saban ten Lee. day con, Saban Lee. Like I'm just saying, not playoffs, but like when it comes down to like playing big minutes, we have guys now that the handle the ball. We don't need like that backup point guard, maybe the camera pain, but even he failed us last playoff. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna say like, oh, I don't want to give that many backup point guards, but it's like, can you rely on them in crucial? games you know what i mean crucial minutes in the playoffs i don't know i I can rely on the kill and at the end of the day like that's what we have to be thinking about is not necessarily regular season success we felt that we need to be thinking about postseason success you know you look you look at john collins and his deliverables the he hits the power forward you know what we need he's 13.4 points per game like you said you know well he he averages uh yeah 2.5 free throw attempts I could just see us getting pissed off because he doesn't get to the line. I could just see it because we're already pissed off at DA for it. I know, but he's like the physicality. I know. I think he's physical, but he just doesn't have that where he can get to the line. But I don't know. It's weird with him. I think there's a potential there, but who knows? Well, well, we'll see. Trade deadlines right around the corner. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, they're playing the Toronto Raptors. Bright side night. It's here, Matthew. It's here. You and I will be at the game. We'll actually be down there early at 5.30. We're part of a a crew of about 30 people who are going to have a one-on-one or a 30-on-one, giggity, with general manager James Jones. Yeah, that's happening, James. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Matthew and I will be down there. We'll be talking with James Jones at 5.30. We'll be going to the game, and then we'll be probably have a brief podcast afterwards. We'll probably have one where we'll talk briefly from the arena on our phones, uh, streaming right here on YouTube, posting it on all of our socials afterwards, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll hear it the next day as well. I don't know what it's going to be like because I know that after the game, I believe we're going down on the court and having that big picture taken with all the bright side night uh, people, all the people who donated, a lot of the kids who are going. There's a ton of kids who are going to this game. Again, the Ishbias donated $100,000 to bright side night. We made a donation. My work actually made a donation the other day for about 400 bucks. It was just you know, so many kids are going to get to go 
and feel what it's like to watch the Phoenix Suns lose to the Raptors. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we'll win. <laughs> they better I don't know, win. man. The Raptors can they beat us last time we played them. Yeah, that's true. It's funny how everyone wants these Raptors players, but they can't even be, you know, a legit team in the East. I don't understand it. Yeah, they they they're just a long team. They're a tough team because of their their length, and I think that that's going to be a challenge for the Phoenix Suns. I really do. Yeah, and they have that consistency. There was there was a rumor today. You know, again, I spent the majority of the day up in Flagstaff. I drove up there, hung out with my stepdaughter, hung out in the snow with my dogs and such. Pushed a, one of my dogs in a stroller. <laughs> yeah, uh, like a highlight moment in my life. Uh, but one of the reports that I saw today was that OG Ananobi was, um is unhappy in Toronto. And of course that gets everybody's ears perked up and, you know, maybe we could just trade for him and he can stay here. I don't know. Yeah. What if, what if I make this prediction that Booker's back? That'd be I think awesome. Booker's back. I think Booker will be back night. that night. That'd be dope, man. We can cry in person. I bet you he comes back. I think he's ready. All right. Well, let's go then. Well, again, Jamsters, thanks for hanging out with us after this game. Win for the Phoenix Suns, Thank 26 you. and 25. We'll see you on Monday night briefly afterwards for uh, the Suns versus the Raptors post-game podcast on Brightside Night. Until then, everybody, I'm going to go. I guess Matthew said I have to go get Taco Bell, and I am starving, so you I'm going to go Mr. get me some Taco Bell. All right, I go home and love your Takis. Bells. <laughs>